your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs podcast, one-stop shop for all things Leafs. I'm your host, Mike DiStefano from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, also known as Al's brother from TSN's Overdrive. You can be up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show as well at Locked On Leafs. And if you like what you hear today, please consider subscribing to the podcast. Leave a rating and review as well. That would be much, much appreciated. All right, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today, so we're just going to get right to it. Uh, Among the things we're going to be discussing, uh, the top 50 list from the Locked On NHL podcast is officially wrapped up as of today. So now I can finally go through and tell you all of the Maple Leafs that made it. Uh, There were four that cracked the top 50, one cracking the top three, and I'm sure you guys can guess who that was. And uh, one other was named as an honorable mention. So we'll go through those players. There's a report out there that there is a Maple Leaf that had requested a trade out of Toronto earlier in the offseason. The Leafs did not oblige the trade request and will be bringing this player back with them to camp. I'll tell you all about who that is in just a moment. And also the Maple Leafs have announced that their development camp roster uh, for the development camp that they'll be uh, having in, uh, well, it starts today, actually, or sorry, yesterday, technically, but they'll be going off to the tournament in Traverse City uh, next week. So let's start off with the top 50 list. And like I said, if you uh, are curious about what this top 50 list is, if you haven't listened to any of the podcasts over the last couple episodes, I've discussed it a couple of times, but all of the and locked on NHL experts, such as myself, um, filled out a top 75 list, top 75 players in the NHL. And then from there, a consensus top 50 was ranked. And then bit by bit, we've been basically unveiling this top 50 list on the Locked On NHL podcast. Um, And today we unveil the final top 10. And one of those names in the top 10 is none other than Austin Matthews. That's right. Our very own Austin Matthews cracking the top 10 list. Now that should not surprise you that he is cracked the top 10 list and he's considered a top 10 player in the league. I think that is not really a hot take, but where he did land was a little surprising, not to me and probably not to you, but the fact that the rest of the league, the rest of my colleagues had him ranked so highly surprised me just a little bit. He was ranked as the number three player in the NHL. Now, we've had this discussion. Is he top three? Is he top five? Uh, He's definitely top 10, but is he more in the five to 10 or the three to five range? And there it is. The it's been settled according to our locked on experts coming in at number three. And look, It makes a lot of sense. I mean, Austin Matthews, especially you take a look at the leap that he made last season. Um, We could talk about the goals all we want. You know, led the league with 41, won the Rocket Richard, um, has arguably the most lethal shot in the NHL now. Um, You know, you could just say potentially the most offensively gifted player in the NHL right now. But it's the defensive side of his game that I think really took a big leap this season. Yeah, the points looked great, but what he was able to do was find consistency on both ends of the ice, and that's why I believe he shot up 
into the top three ranking in the NHL. He's up there with McKinnon and with McDavid, the guys who came in at one and two. Obviously not in that order. It is McDavid, then McKinnon, then Matthews. And uh, looks like the the letter M is certainly the, uh, you know, special, I suppose, in the NHL. All three with uh, the last name starting with the letter M. Just kind of looked at that and, uh, and realized that. But look, Austin Matthews' two-way game this season really took a, a massive leap forward. I mean, he's just an absolute ox out there on the ice. He's a big body. Um, he's tough as nails to move off the puck. When he was healthy... He was in, when he was playing in the defensive end, and he really wanted to get the puck off you, he was stripping that puck from you. And he does some really cool things to do that, like some somewhat unique things. That seems like, yeah, why didn't haven't people been doing that? But they weren't. Like, for him to take the puck from you, he won't just go and lay a hit, or he won't go and try and lift your stick. I mean, he will do those things. But he also does this thing where he just skates into your hands and just bumps you off the puck. Like, it's just... Something that seems so, like, mundane, something that seems obvious, but it doesn't happen that often, and Matthews is one of the only people who I see do it on a consistent basis. Now, he's not the only one, but I, I, I'm definitely one of the very few ones on the Maple Leafs that I see do that. Um, But, like, it's a guy who would finally go into the corners and battle. He didn't win every puck battle. We we know, you know, obviously, uh, we know that. But he was someone who wasn't afraid to go and muck it up a little bit if need be. Uh, and, and I think that that's the part of the game that really took a big uptick for me was his defensive side, the way that he could defend, his, his cerebralness in the defensive zone. Um, I really like what I saw out of him this year. He's a, a legitimate two-way threat and somebody who I believe could potentially win a Selkie one year. I've, I've said that multiple times on this podcast, and for somebody who can win the Rocket and the Selkie, yeah, you're, you've you got top three talent. That's that's not that's not a surprise. That 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 is basically what that means. Find me guys who can say, yeah, I could score as many goals as I want, but also contend for the Selkie. It just doesn't happen. It just does not happen. And I think Austin Matthews has an opportunity to be that guy one day, take home a bunch of hardware, including the Selkie and the uh, Rocket Richard, probably a heart one day as well. So cracking the top three, I think, is a big, big sign that not only did we notice what he's done this season, the big step forward he took this season, but the rest of the league also noticed that. So that was really nice to see. Uh, the three other Maple Leafs that made the top 50 list, in case you missed some previous episodes, uh, Mitch Marner skating in at number 18. Even that, I thought was a that that was a little bit low. I, I think Mitch Marner is a top 15 player in the NHL, somewhere between 10 to 15. I mean, I guess I believe I ranked him at number 13, maybe 12 or 13 is where I had him on my list. So he was ranked a little bit lower than I had him. But like Mitch Marner. I feel like he gets a little bit of a bad rep because he's considered Matthews like number two, but he's not. He is also a number one franchise player. The Leafs are just so lucky that they have two of them. Like, Marner is not Matthews Robin. Like, they just got two Batmans on this team. So I'm really 
surprised that he was he was actually that low. I I had him higher on my list. You guys, let me know: Is Marner better than? Are there seventeen guys in the NHL better than Mitch Marner? I mean, if you take a look at the playoffs, I suppose you could probably come up with a list of eighteen names. But in terms of overall game, like when he is at his best. There's certainly, I, I can't think of 17. I could barely think of 10 guys who are better than Marner. I'm pretty sure the guy was fifth in MVP voting this year, for Pete's sake. So, I'm not surprised at all um, that he, you know, made this list, but I thought that it would be a little bit higher. Uh, somebody who I thought was actually rated a little too high was William Nylander, who came in at number 33. Now, calling Nylander a top 33 player in the NHL, I think, is it's just a tad rich. Just a tad. But again, if you look at the playoffs, he was the least best player. But look at the overall body of work. That's just a little too rich for me. And I'm a Nylander lover. Like, I'm a believer in this guy. I've always thought the contract was, was fine. It was fair. And I knew that eventually he would outperform it. And you saw what he did in the playoffs. Now that looks like a little bit, I'm not going to call it a steal, but it's it's at least a slight bargain compared to what some guys are getting now. And, and, and you know, so that could potentially have played into it the way that he played in the playoffs. Uh, but yeah, he came in at number 33, which like that, that surprised me. I, I didn't think that there would be uh, many... Nylander lovers around the NHL outside of Toronto, but I, I guess there are. I think I had him. Uh, I, I might not have had Nylander in my top forty. I think I had him on like in my somewhere in the forties. I, I did not have him in my top forty, so I was a little surprised that he was ranked that high. Uh, and then John Tavares, the captain, coming in at number forty. This probably, I, I believe, is properly rated. This is about where I had him coming in at. Um, and I think Tavares is a better overall player than Nylander. Uh, I mean, if you look at the body of work, I believe that to be the case. Going forward, as as you know, Tavares comes back from his injury, and he's getting up there in age a little bit, and Nylander just coming into his prime, that could change. But as of now, from what I've seen, based on their resumes, uh, I don't. I personally don't have Nylander ahead of Tavares, like my colleagues at uh, over at Locked On NHL. Um, and then the honorable mention that we had was Morgan Riley. So Morgan Riley did not make the top fifty list. He did not make my top fifty either. So I was not all too surprised to see that. I know he had a, a you know a twenty goal, seventy two point campaign a couple of years back, but he's followed up with a couple of duds. And he just can't work this power play. He just is not a power play quarterback. And to me, you're talking about the top 50 players in the NHL. Most of these guys are forwards. There were, I think, four goaltenders and uh, just a handful of defensemen as well. And I just don't think Morgan Riley is in that upper echelon of, of elite, like number one defenseman to crack like a top 50 list in the NHL. So I was not upset by this. 
Maybe some of you were upset by this and you believe that Morgan Riley should have been nominated in the top 50. Um, I didn't have him personally, so I guess you could put some blame on me. Uh, I did this as objectively as possible because I wanted to give it a, a legitimate uh, rankings list for everybody because it's not just me who did this. It was everybody within the Locked On family. So we ought to be as as fair as possible, didn't take any heart into it, um, and, and just... I don't believe Morgan Riley is a top 50 player in the NHL. Is Morgan Riley extremely important to the Maple Leafs? Oh, heck yeah. And uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about quickly uh, next up here on the podcast. But first, let's hear a word from our show sponsors. All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano, the host of this program. So really quickly before I get on to this player who requested a trade a couple months back. I do want to touch on Morgan Riley and his contract situation. Um, I haven't given it enough attention this offseason because I just, well, I've just been super busy. I haven't done enough podcasts, I suppose. And there's just been some other stuff that have been going on uh, to talk about within the hockey world. But I, I do want to address Morgan Riley's contract really quickly because he is going into a contract year and seeing all of these defensemen sign monstrous deals over the last couple of months, it's getting me worried a little bit. Like, at one point, I thought, you know, maybe Morgan Riley will sign for about $6.5 million, like seven at, at the very most. And I thought that the Leafs maybe could try and sneak that in. Uh, but it, it's... It, when you look at what everyone else is, is making now, like all of these other defensemen who signed this year, I mean, you got Wierenski making nine and a half. You got Jones making nine and a half. McCarr off an entry level making nine million. Um, Dougie Hamilton's making nine million. Like, there's just a lot of guys out there who are making some real serious loot. And I just don't know, like, if Morgan Riley is going to be looking to cash in. Because this is probably his final chance to cash in. And just like I said to Hyman, all power to him. If he wants to go and chase the money he is totally okay with that i will not be upset by that and i will not villainize him for that he's got to do what's best for him and his family and and that's that and it looks increasingly more unlikely that the maple Leafs will be able to bring him back at a reasonable deal after seeing what all of these other defensemen are garnering on the open market if morgan riley makes it to the open market next year it's it's going to be tough to uh, to compete with offers. So that brings you to two options. Either you try and extend him right now, which I think is is possible. I, I, I would be shocked if conversations have not already been had, and especially with the Maple Leafs starting to get into camp, I would assume those, those conversations would kind of amp up a little bit and try and get something hammered up before the season actually starts. And if not, then you kind of have to look at, at the trade market because... Most players don't like negotiating midseason, so if you don't get that contract signed by the start of the season, so they can negotiate through training camp, that's that's normal, but then when the season starts in early October, if there's no deal, long-term extension finalized, I think the trade option becomes more likely. I've been saying for a while I'm not team trade uh, Morgan Riley, but realistically, they have allowed so many guys to just walk after uh, walk in their final year and have nothing to show for it. 
that's the problem. Like, if, if they would have at least had a couple of playoff rounds to show for it, okay, sure. But they don't. And they've allowed a lot of guys to just walk. Or that they've, they've just traded away also um, to make things work. But, I mean, like, Freddie's gone this year. Zach Hyman is gone. You know, they've allowed guy other guys to walk. Bogosian uh, ended up walking. I'm missing somebody. Last year, they let someone walk, and I don't know why I, I, it is escaping my name, uh, but it is. But, I mean, like, even, even go back to, to before, like, Bozak they let walk. JVR they let walk. Jake Gardner they let walk. Tyson Berry, that was the name. Tyson Berry was the guy I was thinking of. You know, they let him walk. Um, so, Morgan Riley, can you really afford to let him walk again and, and not have an asset to show for it? And I know that Morgan Riley would be a coveted piece around the NHL. Now, are you going to be able to replace him with somebody who is as good as Morgan Riley is right now? Probably not. Because I think if you're moving on from Riley, you probably need to bring in another defenseman. And if you're doing a one-for-one swap of D-men, more than likely the other team isn't really that interested if, if it's not going to upgrade their team. So odds are you're not going to win the Morgan Riley trade in the immediate, perhaps maybe in the future, but I just, I, I don't know how responsible it would be for Kyle Dubas and the Maple Leafs to allow time to expire on negotiations and then allow Morgan Riley to hit the open market next year and not get anything in return. I just don't, like something has to give there. Uh, they have to finally make a decision on somebody, whether it's to extend in the summer or um, trade them, I, I guess is the other option. I, I just don't know if, if walking guys to free agency can really be can really be the answer anymore for this team. Now, that said, Morgan Riley's a massive piece, massive piece. And for a team that has Stanley Cup <coughs> aspirations, sorry about that, for a team that has Stanley Cup aspirations, I like it's going to be tough to deal away Morgan Riley, especially since you know he's an assistant captain. He means so much to the team, to the organization, to the community, um, and to the locker room. Like the guy wears a letter for Pete's sake. It, it's a tough move to make, but that's what you are the general manager of a professional hockey team for. You, you're there to make the tough moves, and. Um, that's, I think, the final stance that I'm going to make on this. I believe I would be okay with him signing anything under $7.5 million. Anything over that, I'm not, I'm, I'm not okay with the Leafs giving that up. I don't think they can really afford it. But at 7.5, based on what defensemen are going for in today's market, I think that's fair for everyone. Anything over that, I think you got to let him walk. Um, or not let him walk, sorry. But you got to figure out what that number is, what he wants. And if it's more than 7.5 and, and you know you're not going to be able to retain him next summer, move on. Trade him. Get something for him. Um, okay, let's take one more quick break. And when we get back, I'll tell you about the player who does want a trade out of here. And then talk a little bit about the Leafs development camp um, which is going to be starting up start up yesterday, technically. So we'll get to all of that in a moment here on the Lockdown Lease podcast. 
All right, welcome back to the Locked on Leafs podcast. Mike DiStefano with you, the host of Locked on Leafs. Uh, So I've teased this a couple of times, talking about a guy who is looking to get out of Toronto, and it's Ilya Mikheyev. Elliot Friedman reporting that he apparently his his agents asked for a trade a couple of months ago. I thought I had read or heard or saw on Twitter that this was uh, reported or was a rumor, but was never actually confirmed by anybody. And now it seems like uh, Elliot Friedman is confirming that this, in fact, did actually happen. But the Leafs will not oblige. The Leafs say that they believe in Ilya Mikheyev and see him as somewhat of a key piece to this team moving forward. And some of you may say, why? He's a bottom six guy who cannot put the puck in the back of the net. Did you see what he did last year offensively? Yeah, I did. I think a lot of that was honestly really bad puck luck. Like, you get a guy who has that many breakaways and that many opportunities on two-on-ones and just either the puck just like flubs off his stick or, you know, hits a, hits a rut on his way to him and he mishandles it or the goalie made an unreal stop or whatever, you know, you can come up with a billion excuses, I suppose, but there's an element of unluckiness to his lack of offense last year, in my opinion. Like, if you take a look at his first season in the NHL two years ago, it did get cut short when he took that skate to the wrist but in his first year, before his injury, he had eight goals and 23 points in just 39 games. On a 82-game, you know, basis, like if he played a full season, that's a 48-point pace. I, that's pretty good. Like 48 points, 17, 18 goals. That's pretty good, if you ask me. For a guy who's making 1.645 million, yeah, I'd probably like to keep him around too. There's not much depth on this team. I wouldn't be shocked if they also somewhat see Mikheyev as uh, I know they see him as a bottom a bottom six guy, and he's probably best suited as like a third line winger. Like that's where I see him at. But if you know the bunting and Richie experiment doesn't work, I wouldn't be surprised if Ilya Mikheyev gets an opportunity, gets a chance to see what he looks like in a top six role again. So keeping someone around at a, at, a, at a really, really good price. He's UFA next year, I'll say that. So, I mean, it's somewhat hypocritical. You talk about you know letting guys walk and, and not wanting Morgan Riley to walk. I think a, a guy like Ilya Mikheyev, though, you can... I don't know how much you're going to get for him. So he's probably worth more to your team than he would be in whatever you get in return. Especially since, like, with Hyman gone now, like, Ilya Mikheyev is a big part of this penalty kill right? Like he, he's a good two-way player, super fast, super physical. You know, he's kind of like a Hyman light an energizer bunny who goes into the corners. You know, he's first on the four check. You know, I really do like Ilya Mikheyev. And, you know, now he's 26 years old. So he's kind of like in his prime a little bit, but, um, I, I, I think the least would be best to keep him. So I like the move. Uh, I, I think that he, not that he's going to have a massive year offensively, but I agree that he is somewhat of a core key piece of this team. You know, special teams, is he's going to be a big part of that penalty kill. And then just, you know, a guy who they can feel comfortable with on a shutdown line um, and just feel comfortable putting out there for, you know, 14-ish minutes a night. Uh, last thing that I want to talk about today is the Maple Leafs uh, development camp. They are going to be doing it for the first time since 2019. 
Obviously, last year was unable to do it due to the pandemic, uh, but able to do it this season, which is which is awesome. Um, it's it's always a good time for the Maple Leafs uh, to kind of look and see what they got in terms of some of their young talent, some of their rookies, and some of their uh, younger guys who are maybe in junior or just coming out of college. Uh, sometimes they're just kicking around in the AHL for a couple of years. Um, but there is, uh, you know, they, I think they learn a lot about their players here at this tournament. So being able to finally get back to it, I think is going to be a really good thing for, for some development of these guys as well. So the camp kicked off yesterday and, uh, the tournament will take place in Traverse city and that'll be from September 16th to September 20th. The teams involved in the tournament is Detroit, Columbus, Dallas, and St. Louis. So you've got those five teams, so you'll play each other a bunch of times. Uh, well, you'll probably just play each other one time and then have a bit of a... Maybe that's it. Maybe it's just f- you know four different games since it's only four days, I, unless they play each other a couple of times. I'm going to have to take a look at the schedule, but that'll be for another day, I suppose. Uh, just a couple of notable names that are going to be in camp that I saw on the camp roster. Uh, Nick Robertson, the most notable, the, the one who I think out of all these guys who are at development camp, he's the one player who I think will make, uh, an appearance on the main club this year with the Maple Leafs. So Nick Robertson will be there. Mikhail Abramov, um, a really skilled Russian forward. He's going to be there. SDA. Simeon Durgarchinsev is a tough name to say, so SDA it is. Uh, Alex Steves, if you'll recall, I, I did an episode when they signed him out of college uh, last year. It probably would have been around March or so, March or April. Uh, he's going to be there, so kind of get a good look at, at him. He played a little bit in the AHL as well after getting signed. Uh, Ty Voigt, who is the Leafs' fifth-round pick this season. So get your first look at Ty Voigt in a Maple Leafs uniform, so that will be great. Pavel Gogolev, who was fantastic um, last year in his short time with the Marlies. I believe he had like 11 points in 12 games. Uh, so Gogolev is an interesting name to kind of keep an eye on, a bit of a, a, a slender slender player, I suppose, slender forward, you know, six-foot Buck seventy-five, so a bit of of a, of a slim frame. So we'll see if size is maybe a, a a factor here. But that's a name that I think I I find is one of the more interesting ones that are going to be at this event. Uh, defensively, Joey Dushik will be there. Philip Crawl, uh, William Villeneuve, a draft pick from twenty twenty. Ian Scott will be there as well, and Keith Petrozuli, uh Petrozelli is an interesting name. He's I'm I didn't I'm not sure if they signed him. I think he's just uh an invitee, but he played at the University of Quinnipiac last year in the NCAA. He's a third round pick of the Detroit Red Wings a few years back. So um I I, I liked him actually as a prospect, funny enough. And I'll be curious to see and I also liked him in college. Um, and I'll be curious to see if he can end up impressing enough at this rookie camp to maybe earn a uh, a, a job with the team. I mean, they're going to need goaltenders, right? Like, they really don't have anyone in the system. We kind of know that, <laughs> you know? So I'd be interested to see if Petrozelli can end up winning himself uh, a job, I guess, with the Maple Leafs or maybe even the, the, the Growlers, perhaps, um, cause we know that Toronto likes to use the three tier system and, uh, you know, that, that, that's just a good way for them to develop more talent. Uh, a couple of names that will not be there though. Mac Hollowell will not be there, which is a little bit surprising. 
Uh, 22-year-old played in the AHL last year. Um, traveled with the team a little bit on the practice squad, but still, he's he's a, a, a still a young player who I think could benefit from something like this. I think if a guy like Nick Robertson is coming up and playing, guy like Alex Steves, uh, Petrozelli, I think Mac Hollowell certainly is a player who I would like to have uh, gone and you know played a little bit at this tournament, but. Nonetheless, he will not be there. He was not named on the roster at the very least. Lindsay is just going to show up. Uh, also, no Matthew Nyes, the Leafs' second-round pick from this season, or Nick Abruzzese, uh, fourth-round pick from last year. Uh, both of those two are off to college. So with the college, uh, college's school in session, um, the college season, NCAA season, starting up rather soon, uh, both of those guys have reported to college and will not be at Maple Leafs camp. Um, also, quick note on Nick Abruzzese, named captain for Team Harvard. So that's really cool. That's good to know that you know we got some captain-like material, especially at an esteemed hockey program and uh, an esteemed you know university like Harvard. Uh, that's that's that just speaks volumes to the type of person that Nick Abruzzese must be. I've never met him personally, but I would assume that being named captain to the university uh, to Harvard University probably means you're a pretty stand-up person. Um, I would love to get him on the show. Maybe I will try and get him on the show, actually. Sometimes these NCAA guys are a lot easier to get on the show if they're not affiliated with the team quite yet, just because uh, you can kind of get talk to them and, and go through the school as opposed to having to go through at least PR, which, well, they're not as easy. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, but yeah, so that's kind of going to be the development camp roster, some of the big names. There's far more people who have been invited as well who will be looking to uh, impress, whether this is undrafted free agents or other you know, guys from college who, um, you know, are, are finished up their, their degrees, but still uh, weren't able to, to land a contract. So they're, they're going to come and try out here in camp, much like Keith Petrozelli, uh, or Petrozello. So there's a couple of names here that I, I, I am really interested in seeing how they play at this tournament. I'll definitely be getting a peek. See, and just a reminder, the tournament kicks off September 16th. So that's next, uh, Thursday. Yeah. Next Thursday. So it'll be Thursday, through to the end of the week it finishes up on the 20th so really excited for that i'll definitely be updating you guys i'll probably have you know the 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 group of guys that i like to have on to talk prospects you know whether that's scott wheeler or tony ferrari we'll be sure to get their thoughts because i know that they will be uh, pretty intensely watching this tournament all right, guys, that's going to do it for me here today on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting the show. You can subscribe to the Lockdown Leafs podcast on all podcasts and platforms and receive daily Leafs content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Lockdown Leafs. I'll be back with another episode next week. Enjoy the weekend, my friends. And again, I'll be back on Monday. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here on Lockdown Leafs.